Welcome back to Sneak Talk with Vic. I am your host, the ever grateful, the oh so beautiful, the oh so memorable golden one. Joining me on today's episode is you go, Victor, the best one out here. There's there's doubts about that last claim. But this week, we just talking about does money buy you happiness? And whatever else I choose to talk about, because this still is my podcast. <laughs> so, Vic, go back to what you were previously saying. Yes, I do think that money can buy happiness. Because while happiness itself is a feeling, and you cannot deny that, because it's just something that you get, you know, uh, based off of chemicals that are released in your body, right? Uh Okay, science major. Okay, bio major. You know, money, in a sense, gets you a lot of the things that release those chemicals, that release those endorphins, you know, because when we talk about the Maslow's hierarchy, you have psychological needs, security, love and belonging, self-esteem, and self-actualization. When you talk about the lower level things, you do need money for you know, food and water and shelter and clothing. Uh, and a lot of the times, while you might not need it for sleep, the shelter brings you the security that is in the next level or higher level up than this, which is also a form of what you need for, you need money a lot of times to bring security. Uh, because as we know, when you have a roof over your head, you're protected from the elements, right? When you have shoes on your feet, you can go walk, you can run, you can travel, right? And when you can go and buy a knife, you can cut down a tree, or we want action cut down a tree. But like, you know, you can get stuff to help you provide for yourself, all right? Love and belonging. What a sense of, that includes families, friendship, intimacy, and a sense of connection. All of those things, you can't, have unless you have security and in order to have security you need to have money people <laughs> say you're going for them what you say yeah you can never have self-actualization unless you have money because you no, can't have no, I'll say if you don't have safety and security it nah I don't actually believe in that I don't necessarily believe that you need to have any <laughs> other things that have self-actualization or self-esteem. Those are things that are imbued upon yourself. Uh, you know, self-esteem is something no matter how much money you have, you could always feel like, a, you know, a nerd or a loser or weak, you know, or dumb. You know, that argument could be made about love and belonging. No matter how broke you are, like homeless people have pets. Homeless people do have some sort of community. Like, there's clearly love and belonging there from the highest of the high to the lowest of the lows. You don't need to have money to belong. And safety and security, personally, I think a lot of safety is a mentality thing. Do you feel safe is a thought pattern and a belief? You some people who could feel safe in the middle of a war-torn country. You're not actually physically safe, but 
your mentality and your belief system is that you are safe. And you have some people that feel unsafe in the safest environment. You don't need money for any of that. Yeah, but safety isn't but safety isn't a feeling. Safety and that's the difference. Safety's not a feeling. Safety is a set of precautions that you are, you know, that you require in certain settings are actually physically required to legally abide by. I would, so, I would, I would argue safety is a feeling. How? Because the like, argument the, of feeling safe. Okay, so okay, so here's my actual argument for safety being a feeling. I would assess safety being a feeling because safety is the belief that you are. You believe that you are safe. That's how I that's how I would define safety. The belief that you are safe. You do not have to physically be safe to have the belief that you are safe. Same like, oh, like you die, like, oh, you feel I'm not saying like you feel safe when you drive. You drive, you have a car. You feel safe when you drive, correct? Not actually, no. I know that <laughs> look, and that's the difference. I while I I get I get on the, every time I get on the road, there is a contract that I might actually die. That is that is not a thing that you play with. I think that that's a, and that's an actual okay, so, state. So, so, okay, so where I do you feel safe from, at? Where do you feel safe at? There, realistically, where do I feel safe? Nowhere. I know that. Oh, and, and that's, that. So <laughs> my 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 stance on that is that. Where and where where I'm at right now in my life, at any moment, if something major were to happen, it could completely change everything. If I were to like, if I were to walk outside right now, I could get stabbed. I live on the bottom floor of an apartment. If some drunk person decided to drive a little too fast out of the parking lot, they're flying right through my window. I'm unsafe even in my apartment. You know, at my old when I was I was driving on the highway before turning to get onto the highway where I had the right where I had the right of way and I got T-bone my car almost flipped while I was driving and yeah in that moment I was safe because of the safety measures right that the cars to and the car companies had and precautions that they took which can make me feel more safe yes and that can be a feeling right but they took precautions to actually make the situation safer because they had they not taken some of those precautions, like putting in impacts into the bumpers, having roll bars inside of cars, and having air safety bags, you know, and things like automatic seizing for brakes, my car could have flipped. I could have instantly died. But the car manufacturers have built those in, which are precautions of safety. They're measurements that you have to take in order to put your car on the road, because if you don't, you'll be putting people in harm's way. So while safety can have a feeling, being safe is an action and something that can be done. And you can never be a hundred percent safe. And that's that I don't. I think that's a standard because anything can happen at any time. You can get struck by lightning. There could be a tornado right now, like at any random moment. The, the tectonic plates could just say, you know what, we gonna shift a little bit. And now we have a major earthquake. Anything could happen at any moment and we never know. But there are things that we do to make ourselves feel more safe. And there are things that we can do that actively protect us. 
like wearing shoes on our feet that protects us when we walk, you know, wearing coats that actively protects us in the winter, you know, having hair actively protects our head, acts as a cushion, you know, having melanated or unmelanated skin and having, you know, having long hair versus non-long hair. They're active forms of protection that are even our body has taken to, to form our habitats and to allow us to be able to succeed in those environments. So while safety can, it's a feeling, even our body does innate actions to improve our safety, which is then in that sense, is not a feeling when it's the problem is, how am I trying to say this? I'll let you talk and I'll think. I'll let you, I'll let you say something. And I'll okay, okay, well, I was, was going to let you cook. I was going to let you cook because I, what I believe is there's a function, there's a fundamental difference in how we view the words. I think a lot of what you said and was defining as safety, I would define as security. I would define security as the actions taken in an attempt to make things safer. That is a feel that is you providing security to a party. Those added safety measures were, were to secure your safety. Yes. Understand it's kind of hard to make these defini definitions without using the word because now it sounds circular. But I think safety would be the adequate feeling of you feeling safer, while security is the actual preventative measures and steps that one would take to secure that sort of feeling so all of those features yes your feet are secure from all of the broken glass hard rocks and all with your shoe you feel safe with the shoe to a certain extent because you're like it's not going to break through but the reason it's not breaking through was the security of it and not the actual safety of it if you trying to, if you get what i'm saying Safety is the thought, security is the action to provide that thought pattern. So I'll first, no, I'll, I'll first start with the definitions just so that not only we see the definitions and hear them both together, but so that the, any viewers can hear them. And for security, there's two. The first one says, noun, the state of being free from danger or threat. Mm -hmm. And then the second is a thing designed or pledged as a guarantee of the fulfillment or undertaking of the repayment of a loan to be forfeited in case of default. So not, you know, what we're talking about. The first one is. And safe as an adjective is protected from or not exposed to danger or risk, not likely to be harmed or lost. Safe as a noun, strong foolproof cabinet with a complex locks can be used for storage of valuables. Okay, so I look at the so definition of safety. Just make sure everything is being put on open. <clears throat> Noun, the condition of being protected from or unlikely to cause damage, risk, or injury. And then the other one is for the football position of safety. I'm not going to go into that one. Yeah, this is very American football. 
<laughs> but so from those two definitions, I feel like they are it is circular, which is that's kind of annoying. Because it sounds like they both go to hand in hand. Like you can't have one without the other. Okay, so then it may, now it doesn't matter where do you draw the line of difference between the two. Because both of them seem to be saying the same thing. Because I'm not the, a so, Because safety is the condition of being protected. And security is being free from danger. So security would be the is actually feeling? would be yes. What would be okay? So security would be the feeling. Yeah, security would be the a hundred percent freedom that you're so so like security is like when we said like oh like you know I felt like you're never a hundred percent safe. Security is the hundred percent safe. Is what it's saying. So security is the state of being free from any danger or threat. So nothing can happen to you. But safety is trying to protect you from the threats that can possibly happen. No, I'm not a linguist, so I'm gonna give it to you. I'm not a linguist, I'm gonna give it to you, bro. <laughs> but if I read it like that, I feel like my stand still stands. But I also completely understand where you're coming from because all in all, it is still it like to be secure from this stance, it would be secure is not a feeling, but safety is a feeling. So when safety is safety is a feeling no matter what, like you can never be a hundred percent safe. You can only be a hundred percent secure. Uh then you know, safety is bought. That is, is, is that's my stance. Security can't be bought, but safety can be bought. Security can't be bought, but safety can be. So, you know, and I guess that's where you, that's where you would put, I would put security in something of self-esteem or like self-actualization. Like you feel, when you feel secure in your person, you know, when you feel secure, like, you, I don't know. Cause personally walking around while I know that I'm not a hundred percent safe, I have security in the fact that I've done everything in my power to, you know, do the hold up my end of the bargain to be safe. Like I take it when I get on the road, I don't feel safe, but I take up the contractual bind that when I get on the road, I'm not going to drive crazy. I'm going to try to make it from point A to point B without hitting myself, without hurting myself or hurting anybody else that is on the road. And so because of that, right, that that is that is my feeling of okay now I can feel a little bit more secure in my I guess car, but am I hundred percent safe? No. Will I ever be hundred percent safe unless I am in 
a state of the art, like, you know, concrete bunker underground. Will I ever be 100% safe? I have no idea. All right. Like those apocalypse movies, they, they, you know, it can happen. And even then, am I 100% safe? No, I could die from a random disease at any moment. So, I would just pop up a kid. Doubling back to the point, if you're never safe, how would money contribute to you being happy? If you're never safe, are you happy when you're not safe? That would be my next question. Are you ever happy when you're not safe? Oh, yeah. There are people who like to do risky things. I won't do, will I say that me particularly? I don't know. But there are people who are. There are people who actively find fun and joy and security in jumping out of a plane and free falling. Like, I mean, that's not for me, but it is out there. It's there for somebody. There are people who like scaling buildings and jumping from rooftop to rooftop that if they fall, they're dead. But the risk, it is. they say that, oh, I'm skilled enough that I, I, I believe that I'm capable to not injure myself. Thrill-seekers be thrill-seeking. But okay, so then I will go back. I think that will go back to my point of you don't need to have money to be happy. If you're telling me you are, you find your, you could find happiness in risking your life to do unsafe things that Loki don't. Some of it requires money, so so. But what got sidetracked? If you're willing to risk your life and find enjoyment and thrill-seeking and pushing yourself to the limit doing unsafe things, the necessity of money and the security of safety is irrelevant to your happiness. Therefore, money is inconsequential to your level of happiness. You don't need money to be happy. Money doesn't buy happiness. But in order to do any of those things... (laughs) You okay, you can risk your life, but how'd you get in that plane? Nobody was just saying, Yeah, you can do that pro bono, you know. Like, like you, when you when you were jumping from rooftop to rooftop, I know you weren't doing that barefoot, you know, butt naked. Like you, you had on you had on you had to do something. You had to pay. You had to, you know, have a transactional agreement of some sort to get that, to get those clothing items, unless you stole it, you know, and then you're not doing anything on, in society that is considered good. And I think that'd be a different stance right there, right? But... I think, I think, I think, I think, there's, I think there's a conflation right now. Hold, hold, hold. So I think, Richard, you are putting a... Matter of fact, I want to make sure I say this correctly. You are there's an association that in order to be happy, you have had to have money to do something to pre as like a prerequisite for you to get to the thing that's gonna make you happy. To yeah. a certain extent, yes, you need to do that. But that's not saying that that contributed to your happiness. That is a necessary step. So that just, just because we live in a society that says, yo. You can't be around butt naked. You need to have clothes. You need to have shoes. Hey, yo, in order to get them, you got to go buy them. Or unless you know how to make clothes yourself, you go make them. Okay. Now, oh, well, that's contributing 
to you not being to you either not being or being happy is the necessity for you having this money to do that. No, that's just a base standard for the world we live in. So loving and belonging, when you have that, which is the next step up, right? What do you need? You know, you're talking about the belonging inside of society. If you were to have self-esteem and self-actualization and say, F it, I don't care. I'm going to go live in the wilderness if I don't need those things. You could do that. I mean, but even people who do that still need things. They still have transactional actions throughout themselves, which they consider to barter as a form of money. When you go to even tribes, they barter, They which is and to them, which is still, which is the earliest common form of money switching one thing for another you said oh i know how to make wheat you know how to fish well we gonna barter we look, we both don't know how to do everything but we can we can work together like you need to have that ability to be able to do that you were only able to do that because you had the skills and the tools which you had to get because somebody else had to have the money to make it and well i'll say what is that what does that money look like who knows? Because that money can be fish or it could be rice. It could be it could be a skill that you have, but it's still a form of money. I would argue that that would not be money. Barter, I would make the argument bartering is not money. Bartering was probably the earliest form of I don't even know, of like a market shopping. But it would be like the earliest form of like like shopping at a market in which you went to a place and you exchanged items, you went back and forth, you decided a certain value. From I, guess, I guess it is not a currency. But it's not like a currency or a form of money. No. But I mean, for them it is. Because that's like saying, you know, when you when you price something at a specific value, they didn't, I guess, I guess we're here, so I just backtrack. When you look at a lot of different old cultures, if they don't use money, they'll use sheep and cattle and pigs as a form of money. They'll be like, oh, how much is this worth? It's worth four pigs or it's worth two horses, you know, because a horse is supposed to be one of the most expensive animals you could ever afford because it's a working animal, right? Like it is looked at as a piece of money. It's looked at as something that gets the job done and it is a commodity that you are exchanging for something else. Like in my in my general words, that's that you're you are exchanging in a transaction. If I say, you know, like actually I'm I'm watching uh Vinland saga, so I'm just gonna bring up slavery, but it has nothing to do with like black people. It has everything it's just like this is Viking time. <laughs> this is Viking time. But when you look at the slaves from Viking time, they would literally look at them as worse than a horse because their transactional value was less. They could not do as much. They could not pull as hard. You needed to like use a hoe in the show. Like they were trying for like four episodes to get a horse so that they could till some land and they they couldn't get it because they were like, we're not giving this to you because y'all are slaves. You know, y'all ain't worth the price of a horse. Like, the work that y'all can put in ain't the work of the horse. That is a commodity. That's your skill. That's what you're doing. That is a transaction. Like you are doing something for something else. My stance on it. 
It's like, and I know that's a roundabout way of saying it because I'm saying I'm trying to say it in a way of like something that uses no actual money because it's like the human versus or animal versus another animal, right? You say that because we're humans are animals, horses another animal, right? Okay, that's okay. Okay, so what I would contest to that one would be that that wasn't more. There's no way of saying it other than. They didn't give a fuck about those people. <laughs> like, I'm trying to figure out a way to say this better, but like, you're looking at a slave that you have already deemed to be less than. So, when you equate it to another animal that is considered a, ah, what, what were they called? Like, they're like animals of labor. I can't recall the actual name to them. But now you're seeing like, what were they functionally, like, physically able to do? Which one? Humans are like, low-key bottom tier in terms of physical capabilities animal like we are like low-key bottom tier and you're like oh i already don't equate you to be unequal to me and now you are being compared to an equal of an animal which you're already kind of less than because they put a dollar amount on slaves somebody put a dollar amount on animals i'm just like oh but that's only, but my thing is that's only one they had physical, like the actual currency of money, which well, was the very first form of right. currency came in like 600 BC. Currency's been around since before most modern religions. Exactly. And say, like, oh, modern religions, there was still pillaging and there was still bartering and still trading. There was still people who needed to do things, you know, like before money, life still went around. You still had to do stuff. You didn't just live your life and it'd be like, dang, I can only. Villain Saga is set in 1013 AD. I know. I'm not saying. That is almost 1600 years after the first form of currencies were out there. And now you're like, oh, it wasn't like these currencies didn't exist at this time period. They just weren't used. They use other means of things to. Currency was around. Right. But throughout the whole show, they the all the whole entire point was like, especially with the certain with the Vikings, was that it was never about the money and they didn't take the money what, after. What, what, what a, Aslan was, literally raided villages for gold in that show. Aslan did, but all of the Yom's Vikings didn't. And that, I think that was the difference that they tried to make right there, right? Was they tried to prove the point that Askland and Thorfinn, they're different from the rest of the Vikings. Because that is like in the second season, like the whole end of the show is about his retribution and seeing that they are literally nothing more than warmongers who just want to kill and pillage and they, they, they literally say, we don't need money. If we can just kill you and take your goods, that's all we got. That's all we need. We can go from village to village because we are stronger. And that's literally what Vikings was about. It was, I'm taking your stuff because I'm stronger. Do I need it? No. I want it. They, they that, in that that's whole, more of a point on, that's more of a point on like the value system and kind of people just being shit people. Like there's no way for me other way to put it. Like these are just like, oh, bad people have bad tendencies. Cool. We know that. Like I like 
I didn't need to look at Darth Vader killing his wife and what he thought was his two kids and a bunch of other little kids to know that, yo, Darth Vader, the man who subjugated a galaxy, was bad. I didn't need to know bad people have bad moral systems. <laughs> like, yeah, but my stance on that, it, it still revolves around the fact that, like, well, besides them, like, you know, they are below this hierarchical level because they don't even really have psych. They only care about psychological needs, which I think is the difference of the Vikings is that they like, they have no, they don't care about safety and security. They want to die. Like I think they have self-actuality and self, self-esteem. They could, I think, I think Loki, like, I, I don't think I watched season two, but from season one, there was clearly a level of confidence both in Thorfinn Askeladd. What was Thor's what was Thorfinn's dad name? The worst. Yeah, it was like there was clearly a level of confidence in terms of their abilities right. and the level of achievement that they all have done that made them sort of respected and respect others. As much like it was passed off, like Askeladd didn't even like or respect Thorfinn. I'm sorry, you don't keep somebody around you for their whole fucking childhood into Thorfinn being well into a team if you don't have some sort of respect for him. You were literally saying, yo, that's their number one hitter. I'm sending my shooter at him. Go get him. And if you beat him, you could run you could run your fate with me as much as you want. Right. But my stand like multiple is, times to kill this kid. And he they stayed. weren't fighting. Like, literally, so Thor, difference right there. You, you stayed with three people who in season two all had the problem of they weren't really Vikings. Thor's he literally left the Viking culture, and you get more of it in season two a little bit, like about why he left and the things that went on for him, right? Thorfinn, you actively see him change to a point in the show where I'm trying not to give too many spoilers right now. Oh, well, I'll give you just spoiler right, bro. I'm not lying. Well, if we jump to any other problem, I'm spoiling. I'm not going to cap people. I'm spoiling. So, so my problem with this is so basically, Thor's says, you don't need to do all that shit. Like, you know, your happiness is in the fact that you have family and that you can, you know, go fishing and that you can go, like, you know, grow your own land and that you can go, you know, go buy buy some, like, uh, like a, was like a firework or like, you know, go buy a sheep or something or go buy some more land so you can just have more space for your family. That was all the words wanted to do at the end of his life. That was Thorfinn's actualization in the end was, like, after he was a slave was, dang, like, all the pillaging and killing I did over one person, I just caused all this more emotional trauma and emotional turmoil and stuff like that. Like he was going through all of the Maslow's like, you know, needs or, you know, the triangle while he was a slave, which is kind of crazy like, to see the development. I didn't really like this second season. It was not a lot of fighting, but like, I'm a, I'm back a- to that. And then like with Askland, he literally says, yes, I'm a Viking. But when we see in season two, he is in what they consider to what all the Vikings say is Valhalla is actually just hell. And it is uh, a never ending fighting scene where nobody ever wins. And as soon as you die, you just get reborn and Asklin's down there. And he's basically like, yeah, I hate it down here, but all the things I did, I knew that I was going to end up down here, but like, I'm not a Viking. Like I never wanted to be it. I just had to be it to achieve my goals. But 
my stance on that, he literally, that's, and that's why he raided for money. He never pillaged for the woman. He never really cared about the slaves. Like, you know, he never did any of that type of stuff for the most part. Okay, okay. I, would, I would even basically contest that even goes further to show while Thorfinn and Askeladd had self-actualization. Both part of self-actualization would be like, I'm saying like yeah, they're 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 the three of the people and they and they're not Vikings anymore. Like Thorfinn, he's not a Viking, he doesn't consider like while I, know, he I believe Thorfinn, young Thorfinn, slave Thorfinn that was killing everybody that would have been considered a Viking was wasn't a he had a purpose. Every action that he took, like part of part of self-actualization, like I'm just gonna read off what the list of things is. They say morality, creativity, spontaneity. Acceptance, experience, purpose, meaning, and inner potential. I think creativity. I think Thorfinn clearly, clearly hit that one. Not because he was getting fucked up in season one, and he was clearly creative. He was clearly spontaneous, and he clearly was willing to accept his statue and status in life at that point. And he had a clear cut purpose that he wanted to that cook up purpose for his life. No, again, he might not have been looking long term to say, like, all right, what happens after Askeladd gets killed and my purpose gets taken from me? Because his purpose was to kill Askeladd in revenge to avenge his father. But it's like he had everything to say, I know who I am as Thorfinn. I know what my goal is. I know why I do everything I do. He has everything to say. Who are you, Thorfinn? He would have answered that question confidently. Askeladd, from the moment you meet, I even say, like, I didn't see season two. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't see season two. But from what you made it sound like, he went into there knowing, okay, cool. Like, I don't really care to be a Viking. Fighting ain't really what I want to do. I have other goals that I want to achieve, and I just kind of have to use this means to get to them. And he dies after he killed the king, still like, yo, I had other goals I wanted to achieve. Vi like, me being a Viking wasn't what I set out in life to do. I had these goals. This was just the best way for me to reach my goals. And he's like, oh, cool. I will go to hell. Crazy enough. Crazy as fuck. I think that's more of a commentary on the people who wrote the show and not the belief of the Vikings. But like, cool. I still go to hell. And now I'm put to a like, I don't get any of the benefits that I was receiving from choosing a Viking lifestyle. I have to do what the Viking code says we want to do. That's, that's, that's not somebody who doesn't know who he is, who doesn't know what he wants and doesn't see the inner potential in and of himself. He's saying my goals to get from where I started at. Cause if I call correctly, wasn't he either like a poor commoner or a slave when he was younger and he worked his way up? His dad was a general or something like that and then his mom was a slave so he was a kid of a slave but yeah he was he... a child of a slave that worked his way up in the ranking that's inner potential that's confidence in self that's him knowing his purpose having a purpose him accepting where he was at and willing to climb up these are those are qualities of self-esteem and self-actualization that he seems to be hitting the only problem is that he hit it and he was like, oh, cool. Well, the people who wrote the show are, I don't know the main religion out there in Japan, but I'm pretty sure it's not Viking. It's not Norse, whatever the religion of Norse mythology would be, in which they are promoting and condoning raping, pillaging, and slaughtering of your enemies. I But he still needed money to do all of that. Like, in order to get his goals, which they then put him in hell for, right? 
he needed money, he needed influence, and he needed power. He needed he, power and influence. Money came as money was a byproduct of the power and influence. Well, no, because he needed money to travel across the seas. He needed money to feed his men. He needed, he needed food to travel across the seas. Okay, okay, now maybe the argument there are already stills. Like we're not even trying to say, oh, you're doing lawful action. No. You needed food, you needed water, and you needed the ship. If you guys have people that can feasibly build the ship and know how to sell. But they don't. They always get, they always buy shipwrights. They buy people. They have to use money. Like that's the funny thing. Like they always are respectable enough that they do use money for things that they consider they want to get with honor. So like when they're buying ships or fixing up, unless they steal a ship from another Viking, like but make the argument there are respectable enough so they use money you don't but my thing is and my stance on that is at some point like to to some degree somebody had to use money to get that boat even if they stole it somebody else they stole it from somebody else that's somebody that stole it from somebody else that stole it from somebody else somebody put out money to make that boat cool 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 we're not worried about the nigga who got the boat stolen the first time. I'm talking about him. If he was the 10th person in the line that stole this boat, cool. You're the 10th person in the line that stole the boat. You put out zero dollars for the boat. You didn't have to. You need, like, in the national matter, like, you acquiring resources. Right. And if, like, unless you're going to kill everybody. But you couldn't even have looked at the boat if the money wasn't involved in the first place. You wouldn't have been able to, you wouldn't have had the opportunity to even complete that action had money not had been put out. And that's my point in a lot of these stances. That like, while money- they were mercenaries. Like, money was brought to them first. But I don't like, I would say like, you wouldn't have got the opportunity if money wasn't put out. You're a mercenary. First thing that's put out to you is money. Nobody pulling up on you. Like, you're not like, oh, they weren't a part of the army that called for Thor's at the start of the show. No, they were- a mercenary group that was like, no, nah, we had to kill Thor's. We're hiring you to kill him. They're not like, oh, cool. We're we're doing this for our own. No, money was put to their face. Like, yo, I got this chest of money for you. If you want it, kill him. It's all yours. That's what we're hiring you to do. And they're like, I guess, cool. You could die. Money wasn't something that was like, oh. Money wasn't anything that was in, that was crucial to them being happy. His goal was for power and influence. Money was just a byproduct of him having to build up his name to achieve the power and influence that he wanted. If you if he could say, "Yo, you could have got all of this, and we will cover all of your whatever you needed," I right. guess. We're not talking about this. We're talking about what is. And you, <laughs> you, it's not. It's not. Oh, well, you know, I wish he didn't. I wish he didn't need money. We did. Like, it's like, yeah, and I think that's the stance I have is like, you know, we talk about all these things, you know, you could possibly go into the forest and never need money again. But are you going to? No. Okay, okay, okay. Better, okay, better see, better see, better see. We're not saying, okay, I'm not saying he didn't need the money. I'm saying the money did not bring any point of happiness for him. He had the money as a byproduct of his actions. It was just something that came. If you, I'm saying the money came, yes, clearly he had money. Good job. I'm saying the money didn't mean shit to him. Same way the woman didn't mean anything to him. Same way most of his people didn't really mean much to him either. 
He had a thing where he had his goals. They were his driving factor. Money was irrelevant to the driving factor. The slaves were irrelevant to his driving factor. The women were irrelevant to his driving factor. Did he enjoy all of it? Yes, he had slaves. He had people to do his menial tasks. He had a bunch of women he could sleep with, and he had a bunch of money that he could use however he chose to please. None of it was influential to his task at hand. He had... Mm -hmm. It all, I think, I think it all was influential. My stance is I don't think the money was influential for those things that you just said. I think it was influential for the purpose of he needed the money to get the task done. Like in order to do certain tasks, yes, you can say that, oh, he might have stolen some stuff. He didn't steal everything. Like, you know, he had to buy food at certain times. He had to restock up on things, you know, when he needed it, he sold slaves for money so that he could get other stuff. So like, he needed money. And while, yes, the money might not have like, actively brought him the happiness, he would not, he couldn't find happiness. He couldn't get the, he couldn't achieve his goals without that money. And if you can't achieve your goals without the money, the money. Okay, 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 hold on. One, nigga went to hell. He didn't achieve his goals anyway. We're arguing over a bad point. He didn't achieve his goals. He didn't even achieve happiness. He literally went to hell and he even stated he was unhappy. Let's find a character who achieved happiness. <laughs> Let's find the character who achieved happiness. <laughs> Let's say from there. Okay, Naruto. You know, he, he achieved his goals. He was happy in life. Had a nice little wife. Had, had two little kids. Did so he really? Hard. I mean, if you, you watch Baruto, he didn't achieve his goals at all. He, he was Hokage. He literally achieved the, his main goal of the show. I want to be Hokage and respected by the village. He literally achieved the goal. I guess, but I mean, he, he achieved his goal, but he didn't achieve his goal because he won. He's not respected by everybody. His son, his son, don't love him. Well, because his son's a whole ass nigga. What are we talking about? And I'm standing on that statement. Fuck Baruto. But my stance on that is realistically, you know, they also have different days. Like we can't use people with superpowers because they have things like wood release. Like he literally did not need to go cut down trees, to go buy anything. Like, he just built it from himself. He made it out of nothing. Like, of, of course, when you have a god, when you, uh, like, like, let's tell you, that is a god-like power. In our world, I can't just make wood out my fingertips. So if somebody blows up the world, I can't just make a whole village again. The average person, if somebody were to throw a bomb in my village, I'm going to need to go cut down some trees again. I would need to, you know, do some stuff. <laughs> they didn't need to do that. So we can't use them. They're fixed. They're way too fictional. Okay, okay, okay. Dragon Ball Z. I've never watched it. You never watched Dragon Ball Z? No, sir. And they're also fictional. As hell, they're sins. But, like, they live in a very realistic world. Like, granted, like, they come back from, like, the dead a lot. But, like, in terms of, like, everything else, like, their world, besides their main fighters, is very much a realistic world. Like their main people could take a little bit, take way more damage than a regular person would be. But like, you get shot and it actually hits you, you die. You die. You go to heaven or you go to hell. You 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 got to work that the serpent's the snake way, serpent's path. You you need money to buy a house. You got to go to school. Like if you want to go to college, you need money to go to college. Dude. But you didn't watch the show, so it's irrelevant to do them. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think because like a lot of characters, Loki aren't happy. Like they don't be achieving peace. Exactly. Like, have a conversation about like inner peace with a bunch of characters. 
Hmm. 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 Dang. Superpowers. You God. Literally, they have a realistic world with currency and all. And he. And he he lit okay. <laughs> they literally stole because they didn't have fucking money. Yeah, you didn't need money to get what you wanted. He exactly. literally stole. But my but my stance on that is now you don't belong in society. Like that is one of the one of the pillars on the thing was to belong. You okay, can't and, okay, not, not belong in society. Like you know, okay, they say love and belonging. They only list friends, family, intimacy, and sense of connection. You can't. So you're gonna make the argument you don't belong a, in society. Hmm? You can go. You can go first. You can go first. Okay, I'm saying, from what they listed off, if you're gonna, if your argument for belonging is you have to belong in society, meaning you can never do anything wrong, or like you can't consistently do something wrong, then you're trying to say that you're gonna try to handicap into, you're handicapping in money has to have some sort of importance. Because we live in a predominantly capitalistic world. Yes. That definitely. has money that says, okay, cool. You can't give anything without this money. Now you're not saying, now it's not even a conversation of if those things contribute to happiness. You're trying to backdoor into saying money has to contribute to happiness. Because in order for you to do anything, you can't walk around here like you don't have it. Now you're saying, oh, you can't walk around outside butt naked with no shoes on. You Who's to say this homeless person wouldn't do that if he wouldn't go to jail for not doing that? You can't steal. What You have to use money to buy this stuff because you can't steal because stealing, you don't belong in society and you go to jail. These yes. aren't saying now, oh, you're making a decision. We have to do this. No, it's you either fall into that sort of line or there is a negative ramification. You go yes. butt naked. Now public indecency. You're flashing children. Now you're in jail. You're locked up. That's my. That, that is literally my point exactly. That is my point that I was trying to make. That yes, it is nice to want to live in a fairy tale world where you don't have to worry about that type of stuff. But that's not the world we live in. Like it's cool to say that you know back in like and that's what I was talking about. Like you know back in the older times, like it was like you 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 talk crazy to another Viking. It's off with your head. Like you know you could do you did what you wanted to do. Right, you go pillage, you do anything you want, and that could be that was that for that time period. But they even still use money then to get certain things that they needed. Right, it is even more now because we have societally set that you can't just walk up and kill nobody. Like you can't just walk up and just you know not have all stuff and go into certain places. Right, like, and that's like, and those things are all based off of where you live because there are new beaches in other parts of the world. You know, there are places where necessarily like killing is not necessarily reprimanded as much as it is in other places like I'm just, that's not those aren't conversations about happiness those are conversations about I don't know what they, like I don't so, say like necessity. but those are all things that including that if you cannot uh how to say this they're included in happiness because you need them to function in society. If you do not function in society in a way that is culpable to everybody else, then you are ostracized, you are punished, you are uh, 
just have negative things happen to you. Okay, 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 you definitely you definitely like a lot of you don't have to belong but there are definitely negatives to not like and i think that's the the general consensus is that you don't you can do whatever you want you can feel however you want but there are repercussions for certain actions you can you can get upset and kill somebody you can take the action and be like you know what i was so damn bad i decided to steal you can do all those things, yes, right? But there are repercussions. And even that, you could even say that that thing that you're doing in the moment makes you happy because there are people in the world who like to steal because it literally it brings them joy. You can, that exactly, you can literally, literally, it, it, it gives you a buzz. But when they get caught, they be like, damn, they be upset, right? So and that's my stance on it, is that like, yes, you can do whatever you want, you can feel whatever you want, you can believe whatever you want. But we live in a society where you will be punished for certain actions. And that is not something that you can just negate. So it would be nice, yes, if that did was not the case, but it's not. So because of that, money makes the world go round. That's why it's a statement. That is why it's one of the statement that said a lot. Money makes the world go round because in order to do certain things, you need money. If just just say, even if you do decide that you want to kill somebody, ooh, it felt so good. If you have more money, there's higher odds you're gonna get away with it. Like, let's just do you can get a good lawyer. Like, you you can do the action and be bold and say, Yep, I killed this person and just make yourself. Yeah, Lord, I'm telling you, don't what, say what that. You heard my case if you're saying that. That's crazy. Crazy, crazy. To say, yeah, but, to the crime that you're on trial for and see how I figure out a way out of this. Yeah, you're wild. You're wild. You're wild. <laughs> you're wild. Okay, okay, so what I'm, okay, so the point that I'm making and contest to the point that you're making is that the rules of society aren't designed, like, the base rules of society aren't, contribute, aren't contributors to your happiness. They are maybe contributed to your safety and security, but they're not contributed to you actually to like you achieving happiness. They are even being like, oh, cool, you're right. We are in agreement. You can't walk outside and kill somebody. Yeah. Up until a couple years ago, if you were gay, you couldn't marry your partner. If you were a century ago, if you were black, you couldn't, you couldn't even be outside in certain places. You couldn't walk into certain restaurants. There's a, literally a term for sundown towns because if we caught you past sundown, you didn't get to see the sunrise. Those aren't rules to say, oh, well, before they before they passed that you could marry your, before you were a gay person that could marry your lover, hey, bro, you can't marry them. You can't really be acknowledged for being in a relationship with them. You can't be happy, my guy. So sorry. No, those were rules, like those were like customs of the time period, and the rules of society were designed to promote safety within your people, not promote happiness. 
Right. It might like the base structure to be like, oh, you have to fit into what society is deeming is acceptable for you to be happy, which is what the which is what the conversation was about. Being happy, and you devoted being happy and money to to say that society has base minimum standards that you need money to meet would be like, oh, any standard that society says is no. If you fall into that standard, you can't be happy. This is which is just which is crazy to me. Crazy. To me. I'm not saying that it's giving you the happiness. I'm saying because I'm not. I'm saying these societal standards to a lot of people can be very like uh, how does it do overweight uh, smothering. Um, that's the word. Yeah, smothering. What I'm saying is that it brings you security. In the happiness that you can get, in the sense, because it brings, you know, it brings up, it brings the security and the fact that you know that you do these certain things. Like I'm not going to like not be happy. Like it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I know I'm not allowed to kill. I follow this law. At least I'm not going to jail for killing. Like and it, like you know, because these are things that if you don't follow they will cause you negatives and negatives make you unhappy that's the point i'm trying to make is that like if you don't call you hurt you more okay i have a very question i think i don't even know how i missed it we kind of were just talking around it do you need to have all your needs met for you to be happy because this is the this is the maslow hierarchy of needs saying like you need you need to have those things these like the needs don't necessarily devote to happiness. Do you need to have all your needs met to be happy? Could you say you're happy without reaching self-actualization? Let's say where everything else is hit, you hit self-esteem. Could you be happy at self-esteem? I think you could, because this I mean he's still a theory, so like. Okay, so like based off of that, yeah, I think you could, I, you can still be happy. It's a matter of if we are basing it off of his theory. He says that you need to attain all these things in order to be, you know, truly happy. I, but the, okay, so I would say like I don't. It's just the high needs, like the level of like needs and necessities that you need to have met, and. In his like, because like also like, I haven't read about the Maslow hierarchy of needs since like late high school, early college. <laughs> but that's years ago. Do you have to achieve all of them? Okay, so like for love and belonging, friendships, family, intimacy, and sense of connection. So, it no so like based from what I remember from taking that class. And you do need to, in order to truly obtain happiness, you need to obtain all of those. And what that looks like to you can be different. Okay, but okay, 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 better one, better one. Better. Next level, you have to move, you have to have all of those things, yes. Okay, so better one. Safety and security. Health, employment, property, family, and social ability. Could you not say you have safety and security if you don't have property? Well, property is the land you live on. So, like, okay, 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 no, no, no. So, like, let's say health and employment. 
you fully healthy, you're employed, you have a you have a well-off parent, and you have good social skills. You live with your parent. That's your parents' house, it's your parents' property. Until so you, say you, you have safety and security. Yes, until you move out. You don't need, so I to, you don't need to meet all of them. But it, no, I, see, and that's the difference. Until you move out of their house, I consider it your property as well. Like you, if if you have, you that's can step, if you can know, like that's my thing. If you can step on that land and come and go as you please, do what you want is your property. And while there might be some restrictions to that, right? That's like saying your dad has property. You, while you lived there, had property because you had. A bed to sleep in. You could no, eat food. I'm about to do that one because that <laughs> boss is fucked. The nigga made that very clear. <laughs> he made that very clear. <laughs> I'm simply saying no. <laughs> <But>. <laughs> no, he, he made it abundantly clear that was his house. I was just living there. <laughs> that was... <laughs> okay. Well, when your parent. <laughs> does not make certain choices in life. You, as a child, usually are in a social contract with the person that you live with when you were a kid, usually your parent, right? That that is as much your property to take care of as it is theirs. You need to clean up your space along with some other spaces in the house. You need to make sure it stays presentable. You need to make sure that when something like if a light bulb needs to get changed, you change it. Like when the trash needs to get taken out, somebody has to take it out. When dishes need to get washed, somebody has to do that. Like, you know, like those are all things that are land management. While it's in just a singular house because you don't have a farm, you know, a lot of people live in cities and stuff like that. Like it's still your property. It's still your land. It's still something that you take care of, that you like till, that you like you do the task for. So it's like, Based off of that, that is a property. Yes, if you could, if you did not have that, where else would you be? Like, if you're that means basically you say you live on the street. Like, if you don't have property, that means that you don't have like the property is my included shelter. But I think those are also different, if I'm not mistaken. Not shelters under the physiological needs. That's on the like that's the lowest base. Property comes in safety and security. The base up. Yeah. So my my thing is saying that I'm looking at everything that's there. I think you need to have all of the lower the lowest level things. You need to have all of them met. I think as you climb up, you don't need to reach all. One also another point. Once again, talking around the point, I ask you: if you need to have all of your needs met to be happy, because for a hierarchy of needs, I don't think the hierarchy of needs talks about is a conversation for happiness it's a conversation for as the name would imply your needs and what you what would be necessary for i don't say a complete life but like be the necessary for you to achieve those sort of benchmarkers in life once you meet your base needs what you would need to have love and belonging would be friendship, would be intimate relationships and a sense of connection amongst other people. So the, there's not a gauge for happiness in this. Well, 
what the Maslow's, you know, principle, one, one of the principles that is stating inside of it is that like, that is literally the point of the triangle is to say that like the lower levels of the triangle are literally just meant for safety and security. Like they are not meant for happiness, but it is the higher levels, which is when is when you can truly attain happiness. It's after you've met those lower levels of just safety and security and like, you know, making sure that you're not going to like die and like you're, you, know, you can survive and you're going to be like, you know, you can be warm inside. Excuse me. Like the next levels up, the three touch. So the bottom two are all about like living, just living. The top three are about fulfillment and happiness. That's literally the top three is about fulfillment. The bottom two are living. That's like the whole point of the triangle. It's like you have to, you don't have to meet those. Like in order to meet those bottom needs, like you don't have to be happy. You just need to do something. But the whole top part of the triangle is to get fulfillment. It is to find something. It's to be happy. But fulfillment is not necessarily happiness. Okay, happiness. Is fulfillment happiness? It's not to, fulfillment, fulfillment would be more of accomplishment more than happiness. But fulfillment happen accomplishments are bring you a, you do accomplishments because they give you endorphins because they make you happy. I mean, some people do have accomplishments because they give you prestige, but then that prestige makes you happy because it makes you feel better than other people. Still a roundabout way of getting to the same point. I, I would make the argument if you're fighting the tight if the pyramid if, we're gonna I don't think that. I would have to read up more online because I haven't read I haven't read that in a while. So, I can read. I'm basing. I can actually give you stuff off of a, one of the websites that I'm on. Like, because uh, I just looked it up. The I can keep a picture of it. Let me scroll down. See if I can read something that says what the like how the triangle is. Because I actually took a whole class on this triangle. Like I literally took a class on it. Okay, but model uh, for, for understanding human like motivations for human behavior. Yeah. So. The stance is that the human body cannot function optimally if, if psychological needs are not satisfied. Maslow considered the psychological needs the most important as all the other needs become secondary until these things are met. Once an individual's psychological needs are satisfied, the need for security and uh, safety becomes salient. Safety needs can be fulfilled by the family, society, police, schools, business, and medical care. That's the whole point. For example, emotional security, financial security, example, employment, social welfare, law and order, freedom, and fear, and social stability, and property, health, and well-being are all forms of like emotional security that you can get. After you have met those psychological and safety needs, the third level of human needs is social and it involves feelings of belongingness. Examples of belongingness include friendship, intimacy, trust, acceptance, receiving, uh, giving affection and love. And these needs, um, just important, this all stuff is just talking about childhood. Basically- uh, You didn't uh, mention anything about happiness. I'm trying to find that part. It was a skip. I'm still trying to skip the shit that's not important because the rest of it is just talking about uh, kid stuff and we don't need that. 
I'm trying to find the next book that I need. Oh, I'm still a child at heart, bro. But you're 23, so you're not a kid. You're a grown ass adult. That's crazy, though. That is crazy. That is a crazy. <laughs> <laughs> he said, just cut it off. Cut it off. That's crazy. I'm, I'm literally trying to find one of his quotes. That's the point. Like, I'm not trying to like quote this post, but we can. You can keep talking while I find the quote. Oh no, I'm just, I think I think I think I've, I think I, just, I think I've stated my I think I've stated my final conclusion. In fact, give my closing remarks on the matter. You know, thank you for, for, for mentioning it. My closing remarks on the matter is that even looking at and assessing Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it seems to discuss the necessary motivations behind human behavior and why we do what we do and not necessarily the effects and the results of what we do. I think happiness is a result of our actions and to a certain extent, maybe a motivation sometimes, but not entirely. And just to talk about the point that we were mentioning in our conversation, that doing our societal needs into our happiness would lead to a point of kind of backdooring things that may not be actually compart like actual a component of our happiness into being a prerequisite for happiness. And I don't think that it would be a fair representation of what truly encompasses one being happy. I think so. Final remark, I guess. So, but actually, based off of, uh, I'll go back to the quote first. This is Maslow's his his definition of what he means by all of his triangles. So, the biological and physical needs are air, food, drink, shelter, warm, wealth, sex, sleep, etc. Safety, <laughs> protection from elements, security, order, law, stability, freedom from fear. Love and belongingness, that's the third one. Friendship, intimacy, trust, acceptance, receiving, giving affection and love, affiliating, being part of a group, family, friends, work. The next one, tier four, classified in two categories, esteem for self-dignity, achievement, mastery, independence, and two, the need to be accepted and valued by others, status and prestige, right? And then five, which is going to be, uh, you know, like the meta one. Oh, damn, my phone literally just died. It talks about transcending all of those things and basically saying about altruism. And say that in order to get self-actualization, you need to be able to get past all of those lower levels. And then just you're at a point that basically you are secure in the fact that you have everything else. You have the money, you have the friends, you have the house, you have, you know, you can take care of other people and yourself. So you don't have to think about all that stuff. And after you do all of that, you can then start being altruistic and start looking at what does it mean to belong in a society? What does it mean to give back? What does it mean to actively work in this community? Like, what am I doing that puts me in this cog of people? 
And that's actively what he was talking about. He had a long quote for the last one, and I'm upset I didn't get to read it because it was actually nice. But based off of that, I feel like I still stand on my stance that money brings you happiness, but Maslow's principle states that you shouldn't care about anything after you get to the fifth level. And that his stance is, and from what I've under, from my understanding, is that you will get to a point where after you have met all those lower needs, that you have the money and you have all the success and that things that you think are, that, are, that bring you success and that prestige and all those things. And then you can find a way to be what is considered truly happy. So you can be happy and money does bring all the lower levels of happiness, but it does not bring air quoted true happiness. And with that, I'd like to thank y'all for watching another episode. Signing off, this is your ever grateful, forever correct. And money doesn't buy you happiness. Go golden one. And Vic, got any, any goodbyes? Say your goodbyes, my guy. Bye. Please, Richard.